Welcome to the podcast from Gateway Baptist Church. This is a message from our series on the book of 1 Peter where we're challenged to live different. You can connect with us further at gatewaybaptist.com.au. Well, uh, my family plays a game when we're on road trips called Which One Doesn't Belong? Now, you may be familiar with this game and have played it before, particularly when you're trying to identify different objects and what they categorize into. So, for instance, if you're looking at this picture, which one doesn't belong? The bread. That's right. All the other ones are fruit. And what this game does is identify what all of the things have in common what all of the things conform to a certain grouping except for the one that doesn't, the one that stands out, the one that isn't the same. Now, the way that we play this in our family is that we work out what everyone has in common and then identify the one person that doesn't conform to that norm. For instance, and you'll see my family up here behind me, everyone in our family loves peanut butter, except for one person, it's Saxon. He used to, but I think I gave it to him too much. He doesn't like it anymore. Everyone in our family loves sport. And Tim preaches about this often, so I'm sure you kind of know that, except one person hasn't got on board yet. That's Quinn, doesn't love sport just yet. Everyone in our family throws with their right arm. Uh, There's actually two of us who are left-handed, Uh, but Saxon throws with his right arm too. I'm the only one that throws a ball with my left arm. Everyone, I think you'll get this one, everyone has a smooth face, except for Tim. Uh, Everyone, now you're not gonna see it in this picture because I'm not wearing my glasses and I don't wear them often, but I do have glasses. Everyone in our family wears glasses except for Zaley. Everyone has green eyes, except for Zaley. Everyone has brown hair except for Zaley, and everyone is born on an even-numbered birthday except for Zaley, the poor kid. She lucks out a lot, and although this game has become mostly just a time waster when we're on road trips, what it has also inadvertently done is help our kids embrace what makes them different. They always want to be the one that doesn't fit in. And this works out really well for Zaley. She is the most competitive person in our family and she wins a lot if it was a game that you could win. But this morning, as we continue and wrap up our series in 1 Peter, this series called Live Different, I believe God wants to encourage each one of us to embrace what makes us different. We've been on this journey through the book of 1 Peter and we see this call that Peter makes to the believers that he's writing to, not to conform to the ways of the world around them, but because they have said yes to following Jesus, it means that their lives are going to look different. They are going to be people who live differently to those around them. And we know that when we live differently, we stand out. We don't fit in. And often what happens, particularly in our culture, is that when you don't conform to the norm, people ridicule you, 
insult you and tear you down, which actually makes it harder to continue to embrace this way of living. But what we'll find today is that even though insult, persecution, and suffering may come when we choose to embrace the way of living that Christ calls us to, although our natural response may have us wanting to revert back to our old ways or even feel ashamed of the way that we're living, this passage in 1 Peter reminds us that we are to embrace this different this strange way of living, and we are in fact blessed. Now before we go any further today, I wanna introduce you to two phrases that we're gonna reference uh, throughout my sermon. And the first phrase is this idea of conform to the norm. You know, it sounds good, it rhymes, it feels amazing. Conform to the norm. And the second phrase I wanna introduce you to is embrace The strange doesn't rhyme, but it also kind of fits the analogy as well. See, it's easy to be people who conform to the norm. We do things because everyone else is doing them. We do what seems normal, whether it's the language that we use, the behaviors that we adopt, the way that we treat other people. It's easier to be people who just conform to the norm, who don't stand out, who don't attract attention to ourselves and we just blend in by conforming to the norm. But as we read through these particular verses of scripture today, we'll see that as Peter writes to the believers scattered throughout Asia Minor, he calls them to be a people, people who don't conform to the norm, He calls them to be a people who embrace this strange way of living, this strange way of living that Christ calls us to live. And we're gonna be in 1 Peter chapter four this morning. We're gonna start reading at verse one. So if you've got your Bibles, feel free to open up, but it'll also be on the screen. Verse one says, therefore, Since Christ suffered in his body, arm yourselves also with the same attitude because whoever suffers in the body is done with sin. As a result, they do not live the rest of their earthly lives for evil human desires, but rather for the will of God. For you have spent enough time in the past doing what pagans choose to do, living in debauchery, lust, drunkenness, orgies, caressing and detestable idolatry. They are surprised, another translation says, they think it's strange that you do not join them in their reckless, wild living and they heap abuse on you. As we consider what it means for us to be a people who embrace this strange way of living instead of being a people who conform to the norm, These verses that we've just read and the ones that we are going to read, they actually prompt us to ask ourselves three questions. Three questions that can almost kind of help us work out if if this was a scale with conform to the norm on one end and embrace the strange down the other. They actually help us navigate where we might be on that scale. And so that's where we're gonna go this morning. We're gonna ask ourselves three questions. 
Verse two says, they do not live the rest of their earthly lives for evil human desires, but rather for the will of God. And this prompts us to ask this first question, who are you living for? When we read this verse, it says that people are living with evil human desires. And generally we read that and we probably think, that's not me. I might not always do the right thing, but I wouldn't consider myself evil. You know, most of us here today would probably consider ourselves pretty good people. And although at times our desires might be selfish, we wouldn't class them as evil. But when we read this passage in light of other New Testament passages about our human desires, we realize that in fact, these evil human desires have the same outworking as the simple desires of our flesh. Like when it says in Galatians 5, don't gratify the desires of the flesh. The acts of the flesh are obvious. Sexual immorality, impurity, debauchery, idolatry and witchcraft, hatred, discord, jealousy, fits of rage, selfish ambition, dissensions, factions, and envy, drunkenness, orgies, and the like. This is a similar list to the list that we have just read in 1 Peter. And what we see at the heart of these acts of the flesh is a desire to make ourselves happy, to satisfy selfish desires, And the norm for our day is to live for the desires of our flesh, our selfish desires. Our culture is driven by this idea that I should be able to do whatever feels good, whatever is that I think I need or whatever it is that I want. John Mark Comer, an author and speaker, writes in his book, Live No Lives, he says, happiness has become about feeling good, not being good. The good life has become about getting what we want, not becoming the kind of people who truly want good things. You don't have to look far to see that the norm for our society is to give in to our selfish desires, give in to the things that make us feel good. Yet this passage prompts us to ask ourselves the question, who are we living for? Are we just living for our own happiness? Are we living to satisfy our own selfish desires or are we embracing a different, a strange way of living where we no longer live for ourselves but we live for the will of God? And we see Jesus himself wrestle this out when he's in the Garden of Gethsemane. As he's waiting, as his crucifixion is before him, there is this internal battle going on between the desire of his flesh and the desire to live for the will of God. And as Jesus is in the garden, he falls to the ground and we read in Matthew 26, he says, my father, if it is possible, may this cup be taken from me, but not as I will, but as you will. 
I'm sure Jesus being fully God in that moment, but also fully man. He doesn't want to endure that pain, that suffering that is before him. And there's this battle within him saying, you know, all that's before me, it's too hard, it's too painful. I know it's not going to feel good. Yet he endures through this battle and says, I'm not living for myself. I'm not living to satisfy my own wants and my own needs, but I am living for the will of God. And although our battle with these desires of our flesh may not be a case of life or death like it is for Jesus, every day we are faced with choices. Are we gonna be a people who live to satisfy our own selfish desires, these desires of our flesh, or will we be people who say, not my will, but God, yours be done. And these verses remind us that as followers of Jesus, we no longer live for our selfish desires, but we do live for the will of God. And although that's really easy for me just to get up here and say that, we all know that it's so much harder to live that out in every decision, in every moment of our day. It is a battle to continue to embrace this way of living, saying no to the desires of our flesh and yes to the will of God. And I just wanna give us one encouragement as we go on this journey of fighting this battle daily, one that I know I found super helpful in my own life. Make the first thing that you do when you wake up in the morning a reminder that you're not living for yourself, but you are living for the will of God. We all have something that we do when we wake up in the morning. Maybe the first thing we do is pick up our phone and look at the news that's happened overnight. Maybe we check our emails. Maybe the first thing that we do when we wake up is we have to get a coffee into our hands. Maybe you're like me and you often sleep late. And so the first thing that you do is just kind of rush into the next thing to try and catch up to the time you've already lost but how you enter into each day can actually set the tone for that day. So as soon as you wake up, let the first thing you do every day remind you of who you're living for. Maybe it's just as simple as rolling, I roll out of bed, so rolling out of bed, getting on your knees and saying a simple prayer, not my will, but yours be done today, O God. What is it that you already do in the mornings and how can you attach something to that that helps remind you who you're living for? Verse three then goes on and says, for you have spent enough time in the past doing what pagans choose to do, living in debauchery, lust, drunkenness, orgies, caressing and detestable idolatry, They are surprised. They think it's strange that you don't join them in their reckless, wild living, and so they heap abuse on you. This second question that these verses prompt us to ask is what have you spent enough time doing? These verses imply that the pagans lived in a certain way, and it was strange when people didn't do those things. And that's the same for us today. There are certain things that have just become acceptable in our culture. 
even things that have become acceptable in our Christian culture, then when we don't live in that way, people think we're strange. And people can often heap abuse on us because we don't live the way that they do. I remember when I was in high school, people would think it was strange that I didn't swear. And they would at times mock me because I didn't join them in their way of living. And this prompts us to ask ourselves the question, what have we spent enough time doing? What behaviors are in our life at the moment where we are conforming to the norm? And this passage gives us some really specific examples, some of which may not really relate to us, but others, I think, speak to our culture today as well, like lust. We live in a hyper-sexualized culture that means even images that used to be hard to come by are readily available, and it means that a lot of the content we consume, we just think is normal. But everything that we consume, whether content or lyrics in songs, it all has the potential to affect our relationship with God and our relationship with others. Talks about drunkenness. We live in a culture of a heavy drinking culture. Even in some Christian circles, it might seem normal. We might think it's okay because, well, everyone else is doing it. It's just our Aussie culture. It's okay, I still have control over myself even though I might be indulging a bit too much. It talks about idolatry, the worship of false gods. Now, we may not have statues that we're bowing down to, but a lot of us have things in our lives that take the place of God. This reckless way of living, a disregard of the consequences of how we live. Often we'll make decisions without a thought of how it will affect those around us. What have we spent enough time doing? Our lives are not supposed to look like those around us. We are to live differently. Yet there are so many things that have become just normal that we do that I believe God today is saying to us, hey, it's time. You've spent enough time living in this way. Now, sometimes when we look at the behaviors in our lives, the longer that we have followed Jesus, the longer we've been on this journey, sometimes the harder it is for us to identify the things in our lives that might be stopping us from living the way that God wants us to. Because essentially, we've kind of taken some of those big rocks of sin out of our lives, and it's no longer about the big rocks. It's just about all the small rocks. And they're harder to see. They're harder to identify. Things maybe like gossip. You find yourself just in the habit of talking about people when they're not around, justifying it by saying, well, it's a safe environment, but the reality is your motives aren't great. Maybe it's lying, you know, twisting the truth just a little to make it fit your story or to help people have a better perception of who you are. I believe God is saying to a number of us this morning, hey, you've spent enough time doing this. I'm actually calling you to a new way of living. I'm calling you to a different way of living. 
And so what is this different way of living? And I love God's word. As I read through the scriptures, I'm often having this internal dialogue with God. And I'm thinking at this point, you know, oh, fair enough, okay. I feel like I should be living different. But how do I do that? What do I do? What's the alternative? And then we read just a few verses later. It's like God knew we might be asking this question. And verse seven says, therefore be alert and of sober mind, or another translation says clear-minded and self-controlled so that you may pray. Above all, love each other deeply because love covers a multitude of sins. Offer hospitality to one another without grumbling. Each of you should use whatever gift you've received to serve others as faithful stewards of God's grace in its various forms. If anyone speaks, they should do so as one who speaks the very words of God. See, instead of filling our lives with things like lust, drunkenness, lying, gossip, we are to be a people who are clear-minded, self-controlled, people who show love to those around us, people who offer hospitality to those we know and those we don't know, people who use our gifts to serve other people, not to serve ourselves. And we need to use our words to encourage people to speak life and truth into their situation. What have you spent enough time doing? Because I believe God is so ever graciously asking us to put away those things and instead replace it with self-control, a clear-mindedness, love, hospitality, and encouraging words that come out of our mouth. Sometimes when we talk about kind of unhealthy habits or behaviors in our lives, we go on this cycle of feeling like, you know what, I just need to try harder. I need to do better to get rid of them, to be the person that Jesus wants me to be. But I wanna encourage you today with just one simple verse from 2 Corinthians 3. Because if right now you're thinking to yourself, you know what, God, I've tried this before, but I just can't seem to break this habit. I can't seem to stop doing this thing that I know is probably not good for me to do. I wanna live different, but it's just too hard. I want you to remember this verse. And we all who with unveiled faces contemplate the Lord's glory are being transformed into his image with ever increasing glory, which comes from the Lord who is the Spirit. Remember that our transformation into Christ's likeness doesn't come from just trying harder or doing better. Our transformation into Christ's likeness comes because we can, with unveiled faces, contemplate. We can look at God. We can be with Jesus. And when we spend time with Jesus, we become more like him. So don't feel like you need to try harder or do more or just be better. Spend time with Jesus. And the more time you spend with him, the more you'll become like him. We're not called to be people who just conform to the norm. We are called to be a people who embrace this strange, this different way of living. And how can we do that? 
We can live for the will of God, not for our selfish desires. We can stop living like those around us, not by just trying harder or doing better, but by spending time with Jesus. But I also love what it says in at the first chapter of 1 Peter. It says, live out your time as foreigners here in reverent fear. The CEV says it this way. It says, honor God while you live as strangers here on the earth. We actually embrace this strange way of living by living here on earth as strangers. If we are to be a people who embrace the strange, we need to live like strangers here on this earth, remembering that we are not citizens of the earth, but we are citizens of heaven. And because we are citizens of heaven, we don't live like those around us. We live different. We act different and we sound different. I have a very small experience of living as a stranger in a different country. We lived in the the United States for almost four years and although I know there's a bunch of similarities and it might not be that different, It was really obvious to the people around us when we first arrived that we were not from there, that we were different. We acted different and we sounded different. And I remember one day soon after moving there, I met some other mums in the park and we were meeting in the middle of the day, in the middle of summer. And so when I arrived and I found the group, I did what most Aussie mums would do when you're spending a couple of hours at the park in the middle of the day. I got out the hats, I slapped on the sunscreen, and after a while, I realized that none of the other mums had sunscreen with them. They didn't even have hats. Who were these irresponsible parents I was becoming friends with? But turns out, they don't get burnt as quickly in America as they do here in Australia. It wasn't a habit that they had got into. As a stranger in that country, I acted different, but I also sounded different. Once I rang up the local bowling alley just to book some lanes for the youth group I was helping to run, the guy answered the phone and he says, hey, it's Wildwood Bowling, how can I help you? And I said, hey, I'd love to book some lanes on Friday night. And the guy said back, okay, Lauren, I'll just grab more details. I was like, hold on your horses. I did not tell you who it was. How do you know who I am? He's like, you're the only person, Lauren, that I know has an Australian accent. He knew instantly that it was me. As a foreigner, as a stranger, I acted different. I sounded different. But after living there for four years, do you know what happened? I actually started to blend in a little more. We learned the right way to act. I learned how to modify my accent so it wasn't as strong. I started to change the language that I used so that I could conform to the norm. It's why I still say the word trash and kitchen counter um, instead of kitchen bench. Because the longer that we lived there, the easier it was to become acclimatized to the way of living of those around us. And that's the challenge for us today. For too long, we've blended in. We've been people who've conformed to the norm, yet if we are to be the people that God is calling us to be, we need to start embracing this strange way of living. We are to live 
our time on earth here as strangers, remembering that this is not our home, that we are in fact citizens of heaven and when we're citizens of heaven, we don't live for our own selfish desires, but we live for the will of God. We don't live like those around us, just gratifying the desires of our flesh, but we live our lives in order that we might reflect the glory of God. And this section of 1 Peter, it finishes in verse 14 saying this, if you are insulted because of the name of Christ, you are blessed. For the spirit of glory and of God rests on you. If you suffer, it should not be as a murderer or thief or any other kind of criminal or even as a meddler. However, if you suffer as a Christian, do not be ashamed, but praise God that you bear his name. Verse 19 says, so then those who suffer according to God's will should commit themselves to their faithful creator and continue to do good. And these last verses prompt us to ask a third question. And the third question is how do we respond? For many of us, if we're insulted because we choose to live differently, the common response, our natural response is to shy away from living like that. Because no one wants to be insulted or ridiculed or singled out. And when we are, we can often feel this sense of shame. We feel ashamed. But Peter reminds us that if we suffer, if we suffer because we've actually done the wrong thing by like killing someone or stealing something, maybe there is a sense of guilt that we should feel. But if you suffer because you are a Christian, because you are choosing to live differently, because you are choosing to be a citizen of heaven, do not be ashamed, but instead praise God that you bear his name. And this is the upside down kingdom that we live in. And if you are suffering because of the stance that you are taking for Christ, then it says you're blessed. And this response alone to actually praise in the face of ridicule and insult, it will make you strange. So, let the first thing you do every day remind you of who you're living for. Spend time with Jesus because the more that you do, the more you will become like him. And be a people of praise. No matter the circumstance, in the good or in the bad, even if you're ridiculed, don't be ashamed, but choose to praise God that you bear his name. Let's pray. God, we thank you that your word to us this morning, although rather simple, that we are in to embrace this strange way of living that you call us to. God, we know it is so much harder to live out each and every day. But God, we know that your spirit is here with us, equipping us to be the people that you've called us to be. And God, as people who've said yes to following you, we don't want to conform to the norm of those around us. 
God, we want to shine your light. We want to live a life that has people asking the question, why are they doing that? And so God, we pray that you would give us everything that we need to continue to live for your will, God, not our own. God, this morning, I pray that you would open our eyes to the things that we have spent enough time doing, things that we've just got into the habit of doing. We're conforming to the norm in some way, but God, I know that you continue to call us, each one of us in our own different way to set aside those things and instead live the way that you're calling us to. And God, I just wanna pray for those who feel like something has actually got a hold of them. Maybe it is an addiction or just a cycle that they found them stuck in. Holy Spirit, come and break that. And in Jesus' name, may they be free to walk the path that you have for them. And God, as we continue to live this way, as we go into the different places that you have us at the moment, God, even, we, even though we may be ridiculed or insulted as we live out this way, God, may we not be ashamed, but may we praise your name. May we give glory to you in everything that we do. And God, when our circumstance would have us not want to praise, not want to lift our eyes to you, God, we choose to look to you. And as we do, God, may you help us see things in a different way. Not just like things are here on the earth, but God, give us the eyes of heaven. May we see things from an eternal perspective like you do. God, we thank you. We love you. Continue to help us, guide us, give us boldness to live this way, God. We ask this in your name. Amen. Before we spend some time just worshiping and praising God together this morning, I just reckon there's some of us. You actually have felt like you've been insulted, you've been ridiculed, and you actually just feel really weary in trying to embrace this strange way of living. Feels like everything has come against you. Everything is pushing you to try and live this way of conforming to the norm. And you know God is calling you to continue to stay steadfast in this way of living, but the insults and the ridicule and the pressure is just making it really difficult. I even reckon there's some people this morning that, yeah, that might be in your workplace, but that for some of us, this is really close to home. It's actually in your family. You wanna keep stepping out into all that God has for you, but there's just snide remarks that come. There's questions as to why would you live that way? And it's just wearing you down. God this morning just wants to fill you afresh with His presence to continue to be able to stand steadfast into this way of life that He's calling you to live. If that resonates with anyone this morning, before we sing, I would just love you to stand where you are. I would love to pray a blessing on you and get your church family to gather around you and pray as well. So if that resonates, just join these guys who are standing and I would love to pray for us. Pray that God would continue to give you a boldness, continue to give you strength and energy to stand where He's called you. If that's you online, just note that in the chat. We've got some people there who would love to pray for you as well. Anyone wanna join these people standing before I get the rest of us kind of moving as well? Why don't we gather around those if there's someone close who's standing to you and just lay a hand on their shoulder 
And as I'm praying, why don't you just also just pray a prayer for them, listen to what God might be saying to you as we pray for our brothers and sisters this morning and feel free to speak those words out as well. So let's pray. God, we thank you for each person right now who has just indicated that they're feeling really weary in choosing this way of living that you call them to. God, whether that's the ridicule and the insult that's coming as they be a Christian in their workplace, or whether that's as they've chosen to live differently in their family and the attacks come at every moment. God, I just pray that right now by your spirit, you would fill them afresh. God, I pray that you would give them a clear vision of who you're calling them to be so that they can continue to stand steadfast in this way of living that you call us to. God, I pray for boldness. I pray for courage and I pray for strength that you would, by your Holy Spirit, help them stand when they don't have the energy to stand any longer. And God, I pray that they wouldn't even feel like it is an effort to choose this way, but as they spend time with you, as they continue to read your scripture, they would just find themselves naturally continuing to walk in that way. And God, you would just build their faith, Lord Jesus, that they would just have such a strong sense that they are in the space where you want them right now. God, bless them today. Help them to know your presence. Spirit, fall on them afresh. God, we ask this in your name. Amen. Why don't we join those standing this morning and we're just gonna sing out, sing our praise to our great God in heaven, the one who we give glory and honour and praise to.
God, we praise Your Name. We lift You up as the One who is above all You are. At the start, You are. At the end, God, we thank You. Continue to help us lift our eyes when we get stuck in the midst of all that is going on around us. God, may we continue to look to You this week. And as we do, God, may You give us an eternal perspective. God, we love You. We praise You. Amen. Well, thank you for joining us at church this morning. It's been great to have you with us. Next week, Father's Day, it's a joy to celebrate with those uh, who are dads. So love to, for you to join us then. Uh, I'd love to ask our prayer team to come down the front. If there's something you'd love prayer for this morning, if something's just been raised in your heart, feel free to come down. They would love to pray with you down here. But otherwise, enjoy hanging out, chatting with people, and we'll see you next week. We hope that you've been blessed by this message. We're a growing family. And if you'd like to discover more about where we meet in all our locations and online, visit gatewaybaptist.com.au.